Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Today we're tackling the issue of shortages, of which there are many in this state as the coronavirus pandemic spreads. Over the weekend, the number of deaths from COVID-19 crossed the 100 mark in California. The official count stands at 132 deaths among more than 6,300 cases. Those are just the cases we know about because, of course, testing is lagging, making it hard to get the full picture of how dire things have truly gotten. Here's some of what California needs more of right now. COVID-19 testing kits, testing swabs, respirator masks, and ventilators. And this weekend, we learned from Governor Gavin Newsom that the federal government sent 170 of them to L.A. County from the national stockpile. Problem was, they didn't work. Here's the governor. Rather than complaining about it, rather than pointing fingers, rather than generating headlines in order to generate more stress and anxiety, uh, we got a car and a truck and we had those 170 brought here to this facility. That facility belonging to San Jose's Bloom Energy, which turned a storage space into a repair shop to fix them. They should be back in L.A. today. Now, there was a time not so long ago, actually, that California had a plan for a pandemic like this one. In 2006, coming off the avian flu scare, the state invested hundreds of millions of dollars in a stockpile. It included 2,400 of those ventilators, 50 million N95 respirators, and three mobile hospitals, each the size of a football field and each with 200 beds that could go up in a matter of 72 hours. But then the 2008 recession happened, and the state slashed the funding to maintain the stockpile. I spoke with reporter Will Evans of Reveal at the Center for Investigative Reporting about what happened to all those mobile hospitals. Well, we hit the 2008 recession, and um, that hit the state really hard, and our budget revenues fell, and we had a huge deficit. When Governor Jerry Brown came in, they passed a budget that cut the funding for maintaining the stockpile in the hospitals. Um, it w- didn't cost much. It was uh, under $6 million total per year, but that got zeroed out in 2011. Governor Brown declined to speak with you, as did, it sounds like, the Department of Finance? That's right. And we also talked to the uh, California Department of Public Health. We tried to talk to them. Um, They declined interviews, and they wouldn't give us a detailed explanation of what happened to these supplies. So we had to track it down ourselves as best we could. Will, where does this leave us now? 
Well, it means that those those ventilators, they were given away to hospitals by the state because they didn't have money to maintain them. Uh, but we don't know where they went, and we don't know if the hospitals maintained them. And we even heard some were sold on the secondhand market and possibly shipped out of the U.S., it means that those patient beds, the 21,000 patient beds, some were given away. Uh, we don't know where they all ended up. They were even looking at throwing them away. Yeah. And, and what about those hospitals? I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, putting those up on eBay or otherwise, you know, getting rid of them. They're giant. Yeah, they're, they're enormous. So they still exist, but they've basically been downgraded into high-end tents. They're shelters, but they don't have any medical equipment. So they are no longer hospitals. And the respirators, the 50 million respirators, those have dwindled down to 21 million, and they're all expired. So they are being dispersed throughout the state, but they are not recommended for use with COVID-19 patients. So, Will, I mean, Governor Brown is known for turning the state's finances around. What happened when we finally ended up in a surplus? Why wasn't this issue revisited at that point? There were some lawmakers who wanted to see this uh, revisited, but in the end, California did not rebuild our stockpile. Um, there wasn't much interest from the uh, Jerry Brown administration. This was the same administration that had cut the funding to maintain it, and it would have cost much more money to build it back up than simply maintain it. So it wasn't done. Okay. Will Evans, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. You can read the full story by visiting the LA Times website. I've also tweeted it out. I'm at Lily Jamali. Well, at his news conference on Saturday, Governor Newsom talked about how California-based companies, especially those in tech, are trying to help the state address some of the shortages created by the coronavirus pandemic. We're a state that believes in taking risks, without being reckless. And we talk in terms uh, that are very familiar uh, to people here in Silicon Valley in terms of moving at Silicon Valley speed to address problems head on. One Silicon Valley manufacturer that's made big changes to what they produce because of the outbreak is Carbon 3D, based in Redwood City. They've been using their 3D printers to make test swabs and face shields. Here's part of my conversation with CEO Ellen Coleman. We've pivoted all of our production efforts at our laboratories and our development facilities to create designs and produce these designs and then have them tested clinically um, in, in order to understand how we can scale to provide um, these very needed products. And so just by way of example, what are some of the things that your company was making with these same facilities that have now pivoted to making PPE and swabs? What were they making about three months ago, say? Well, even two weeks ago, they were making things like bike saddles, um, things like um, football helmet liners uh, for Riddell, things like Adidas midsoles, um, things of that nature. Uh, also testing out designs for other of our customers. So nothing necessarily in the medical area, mostly in the commercial and uh, consumer areas. And so how did this pivot happen? Was this a product of conversations with with the state government or with partners in the medical community? Well, you know, one of the powers of 3D printing is its ability to quickly uh, produce designs, to iterate on those designs and optimize them, and then use our network, which has hundreds of printers across the country and, and the world, 
um, to do that production locally. So we started talking about it when it was clear that we could not keep on as business as usual and, and con continue um, much of the work we were doing. And we got ideas um, from universities, um, from medical centers, uh, from our networks of people calling in and really determined that those two areas, face shields and the swabs to collect the specimens, were two areas that would we could quickly mobilize on. Like on the swab designs, we've done 10 designs, 10 different designs in less than a week. To me, it's unprecedented the shortness in time with which we've done this. Stepping back for a moment, you know, California is the only state in the union that has Silicon Valley. How do you see Silicon Valley's role in helping deal with this Herculean effort, as Governor Newsom has called it? I just think that, you know, it's interesting in times like these, thinking differently outside of the norm is really important. Connecting dots together of what's happening in the world and seeing the opportunity that's there. And, you know, we see the risks, right? The risks are in front of us. So how do you connect people together to really see the opportunity? I think that's one of the things that in California and Silicon Valley specifically that we have going for us. And I think doubling down on that and really focusing on that is going to help us all come through this and be stronger as a result of it. All right. Ellen Coleman, CEO of Carbon3D in Redwood City, thank you. Great. Thank you very much. California farmers have been worried about having enough guest workers to keep the state's produce aisles stocked. They got welcome news Friday when the U.S. State Department said it would reverse a decision made about a week ago to stop processing H-2A visas for first-time guest workers. They can now be processed without an in-person interview. But as the California Report's Alex Hall found out, the coronavirus outbreak may lessen the need for those workers. The pandemic already appears to be impacting the way we shop. For a lot of people, shelter-in-place orders have meant fewer trips to the grocery store. And UC Davis professor Philip Martin says, If people aren't going to the store more than once every two weeks, they're not going to buy as much fresh produce that can go bad. Now, with talk of a recession, there may be less appetite among shoppers for more expensive items like raspberries and strawberries. And those are exactly the kinds of products H-2A workers harvest. Professor Martin says while agricultural employers just scored a win by getting the State Department to keep H-2A guest workers coming, their labor might not be needed as much anymore. It's entirely possible that the H-2A program will shrink this year, not because it's impossible to get the workers across, but because the demand for the commodities won't be there. And the longer the pandemic goes on, Martin says the greater the impact could be. For The California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Finally this morning, the world feels like it's turned upside down with the current stay-at-home orders. There's a lot of anxiety, uncertainty, fear, and grief. But there are also a lot of moments of kindness and connectedness. Maybe there are musicians playing from their porches in your neighborhood. Or maybe you've joined a virtual museum tour or a poetry reading. Six feet is out my bedroom window over the kumquat to the ivy bed is very high play. or perhaps you're making up songs and sending them to people or places you love good morning good afternoon. Right now. 
That last clip comes from the host of our sister show, The California Report magazine. Sasha Koka's kids, Ahmad and Joaquin Koka Kaku, singing to their 96-year-old great-grandmother in Fresno. The most recent show features stories about life as we're locked down at home. Check out The California Report magazine podcast. You can also leave us a voicemail about what's bringing you joy at 415-830-6580. Again, it's 415-830-6580. And saying goodbye with me on this Monday, a couple of my very special co-workers. And that's the California Report. I'm Lily Diwali. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from California Earthquake Authority, urging Californians to prepare for the next damaging earthquake. Learn more at earthquakeauthority.com. Hint Water. Hint is water infused with fruit essences, including watermelon and blackberry. No sugar, no sweeteners, no calories. Available in grocery stores. Hint. Mouthwatering water. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.